Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Four seasons. Over 30 incredible guests. Hundreds of podcast recommendations. I'm your host, Laura Whitmore, and in this special series of Castaway, we'll bring you the best bits from our back catalogue, sharing those golden Castaway moments and throwing in those bingeable podcast picks we're all hungry for along the way. Welcome to Castaway, the best bits. I've always said how much easier it is to open up when speaking on a long-form podcast, and you know, I'm a real believer in the power that podcasts can have in making you feel less alone. I mean, so many of the podcasts that have been discussed on Castaway have helped our guests through their darkest or most difficult times. And so today's episode is dedicated to those powerful conversations and all things self-help. First of all, let's hear what model and actress and podcaster Daisy Lowe had to say when she came on the show about one of her favorite podcasts on the matter, Burn Cotton's Happy Place. I want to talk about um, a podcast I'm a massive fan of, and that's mm-hmm. Fern Cotton. Um, oh, I, I love, place. I love her anyway. Um, mm, me too. Uh, and I've always been a huge fan from someone who who grew up watching her on television mm. and the transformation and the risk. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was doing a play and I called over to Fern for a cup of tea, and I remember thinking, "Oh God, like, what will people think? Or like, what's she doing now? Or who does she think she is that she's going to do this play? Because no one knows. You, you know, you've got a drama background or whatever." And Fern, oh, I just think she's great because she says, "I don't want to do the same thing all the time." Mm, no, me neither. You've got one life, yeah, and. And, you know, at the time she was just, the first book I think had come out of that mm-hmm. stage, the happy, happy. book, mm-hmm. but it was before the the podcast and before the festivals. And I remember her, you know, I looked at her and I was like, this is something that she's had to deal with as well. And people are always going to judge you and someone's always going to have an opinion. But at some point you have to follow your heart and say, screw the rest of you. Totally. But I think that, look, when I started out for sure, like you had to pick your lane and stay in it. But throughout my career for the past 13 years, mm-hmm. I've really seen such a huge change. I think social media is hugely responsible for that. But you can do whatever you want now. And actually, it's it's actually far more interesting to have a more few nice. different facets. Yeah. Um, because that's really endearing and it shows that you're passionate and shows that you're interesting. And you do, your passions don't just go one way. It's not just one lane anymore. It's, it's You're more of an octopus. Um, I like that. That's <laughs> what I always say about me. It's like, still can't pick a career, so I just have to put all of my octopus legs in different pies. Oh, no, I'll never forget when um, Vivian Westwood asked me to open and close her show. And um, I, she, I weirdly like was forced into trying every single look from the entire collection on. And I was kind of shoehorned in, mm-hmm. like, people 
pulling my boobs in and my bum in. And it was Do you ever very... get used to that? No. And I mean, I think I'm slightly numb to it, but yeah. it, there's there's a numbness to it, but it was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I walked over and she went, it's amazing she fits into anything. I was like, just breathe. Okay, it's fine. And I went, actually, I fit into all of it, Viv. And anyway, how are you? And she went, and what is it exactly that you actually do? She booked you for the job as well. She booked me to open oh. and close her show. Bearing in mind, this was like the eighth season I'd walked in her show. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude. And I just went, well, uh, I'm a model first and foremost. Um, I'm an actress. I um, wrote a cookbook. and Just say, I'm Daisy Lowe. And I, was like, and I just went, so I'm basically a jack of all trades and a master of none. Lovely to see you, Viv. And like smacked her on the arm and walked out. And I just thought, and it was actually a very common thing growing up in this industry of everyone like, what, really but what are you because you're not really thin you? enough to be a model it did when I was younger mm-hmm. it doesn't anymore I'm like I'm just me <laughs> I don't know you you pick you pick which career of mine you think is mine and I had to really learn how to not compare myself to anybody else even though it's still the hardest thing you, to do you you seem really confident you are a confident person not always but yeah I'm but you so do now. yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose it's when people look at you and, you know, you so many things that you've done, been very successful doing. Um, and and also some other things that I've been very unsuccessful at doing, but yes. And going back to Fern Cotton's happy place, she has made a huge leap of what she has created. Mm. And I mean, the festival. It's a festival all, now. But also she did it twice. She had yeah. two festivals this summer. Because there were so many people who wanted to go to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's and, and I think that there is a real desperate need for people wanting to take care of themselves from the inside out Mm -hmm. and she's really hit a niche market but it's but it's from a completely genuine really kind happy place (laughs) after doing strictly i finished as i said in mid-feb and then went straight into fashion week straight into shooting again and obviously when you do strictly everyone's like oh you're really interesting let's let's work with you Mm -hmm. and that went on pretty much until december um, and I sold my place the day I went on tour and I ended up moving into the room that my gramps actually essentially died in um, to look after my grandma mm-hmm. and help her through the grief and then bought my place in September. And because I was buying a house, I was working like five to six jobs a day. Cause it's like, you know, I want to get it done up and mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm comfortable and I've taken on a stupidly large mortgage and mm-hmm. I'm going to be an adult. This is great. I was 28 and set up my podcast had the most amazing opportunities and experiences, but it got to December and I just broke, mm-hmm. and I totally and like burn out to the to such an extreme extent that I essentially had like a form of brain epilepsy where I lost the ability to speak, I lost um, short term and long term memory, I lost um, facial recognition. So I started freaking out because if I left the house, I'd bump into people mm-hmm. that I did actually know because they'd come up and be like Daisy how are you what's going on I was just here with that person I was like I I don't know you it was so frightening Um, and that went on kind of up and down for about a year so I essentially took last year out Mm -hmm. and through that time when I was really struggling in the darkest of dark places like I couldn't leave the house I mean it was just horrific I 
discovered Happy Place. And the first one that I listened to was um, Fern speaking to Stephen Fry and listening to his struggles being the man that he is and everything that he's achieved and the fact that he still, to this day, struggles with his mental health was such a huge moment for me in that darkest of dark place. And just remember Fern saying, you know, what do you still struggle from this? And if so, you know, what are your tools to cope with it? I mean, I'm very much paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to it in a year. but um, And he said, you know, I, I think it's about the people you surround yourself with. I'm really lucky. I've got a really amazing team and they watch my behaviour and see how I'm coping with certain situations and they will pull me back and cancel stuff unless... Because he's also... Um, is he the chairman or the head of mind? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about his experience of that. And and obviously having suffered with mental health to then be consistently talking about it and your quite harrowing journey, how that can actually be a trigger for pulling you under. And I just, it was so inspirational. And it really, I have to, I've actually never told Fern how much it really helped me out at the time I really needed it whatever the conversation is it's it's highlighting things that needs to be prominent in all of our minds and and a real focus just for our own well-being sanity exactly. general health exactly so when when you were first approached by mind and and, and you mm. and melvin had a chat and and you mm. were sort of passed on the baton <laughs> how did you initially feel because it's one thing to be very open and honest and exposing of your own story but it's another to to then commit to talking about that long term and also yeah. to hear other people's stories because you are somewhat facing head-on some of your fears by doing that yeah absolutely right that that there was and still is and i still feel it occasionally the a danger of becoming sort of professionally mentally unstable (laughs) you know that that's that's what i am Mm. that's who i am Mm. and i've i've always believed it's not who i am it's a condition i live with and i'm i'm always prepared to talk about it but there's also a danger because I do live with this condition and mm. I'm not going to kid myself that it's cured because it isn't, mm. that if I keep picking at the scab, it's not going to be good for me. It's going to be good for my mental health. But I, I think I, well, and certainly the people I, I work with, you know, my um, you know, beloved assistant and all the people at my you know, agents and everything, they're, they're very aware of that. And, and, and they sense that if, if I've been asked to do something and it's at a time when I'm just in a cycle which is not particularly energetic or particularly hopeful or particularly happy they they will you know i'll say oh, yes i'll do it because i think it's my duty and they'll say no don't don't or mm. if you do do it do it in a month's time you know i'm sure you know what I, uh, we're so lucky to be in the profession we are it's so fantastically exciting and so full of drama and challenge and excitement and color that uh, we tend to overreact in this sense that we can't say no to anything mm. because it's somehow ungrateful to the fate that has given us this great good fortune and that to say no to something is is like spitting at providence and and, and that we must say yes and actually of course that's nonsense well of course because if it's you're not in good health and you can't help anyone at all but so. Fern, i can't tell you how long it's taken me to yeah. <laughs> to, 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 yeah. to actually live by that. I've always mm. sort of known it, but, mm. but I've still just said, oh, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, after all, you know, it's uh, uh, very common, isn't it, to compare mental health with physical health. And, and uh, you know, people would not agree to do something grueling if they weren't fit. Absolutely. You know, you know I've got a cold at the moment, or, you know, I've got flu. You'd say, well, no, I, I can't do it. Absolutely. And, and we've got to be able to be confident to be able to say the same things. Next up, the host of the very successful podcast, Control-Alt-Delete, Emma Gannon, who shared her love for Brenny Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us. Oh, I love this. 
We are learning a lot about each other and ourselves through podcasts. And someone I'm obsessed with is Brené Brown. And mm. I I watched her TED Talk recently on vulnerability, which is just brilliant. It's not even that long. Watch it if if, if, if anyone hasn't watched it, um, have a little look. But um, her podcast, Unlocking Us, I have mentioned this one once before. But when did you find out about who Brené was? Have you read her books or was it the podcast? Yeah, so Brené Brown is someone I discovered a couple of years ago when I discovered her books and obviously her TED talk is probably where people first found her it's like one of the most watched TED talks ever on vulnerability and so she launched her podcast I think near the start of lockdown it was like February March or something and I just felt like oh my god thank god Brené is going to get me through the lockdown (laughs) and yeah it's amazing and she's just so incredible in her unique kind of perspective being a behavioral researcher she's like Mm -hmm. a psychologist meets you know researcher so she comes at things from a different angle you know she's not the same old interviewer asking the same questions she's Mm -hmm. there's a layer beneath it or she's unpicking something you never thought you wanted to unpick so Mm -hmm. big fan of her and also she always talks about how she's constantly learning she says everyone that she talks to are people who are teaching her who are challenging her who are confusing her and maybe even tickling her a little bit and and I love that because she kind of asks the questions that you want to ask and and even pushes herself and her own beliefs yeah and that's the thing I love about Brené is like she's obviously in this world she's an academic she says that she's a geek and that she's like someone that just like sits and reads books all day but then she's kind of entered this like celebrity world and become a bit of a celebrity and so Mm -hmm. I feel like she's there's this innocence in like her asking these celebrities questions from almost like an outsider perspective if you know Mm -hmm. what I mean Mm -hmm. and so I really liked the one with Judd Apatow where she's trying to ask him to really explain why what what makes something funny and like why something funny can also make us cry and she's just coming at it from like yeah a completely different angle I suppose. That one particularly with Jill Apatow actually listened to that one recently and it's the connection between grief and humour and how important mm-hmm. it is and sometimes it feels wrong like I I remember going to a funeral recently and we all laughed so much because we're all sharing these memories together and really sometimes you feel a bit guilty in that but from listening to his podcast you just you realise how close they actually intertwine. Absolutely, because people say that the that grief is just love, but it's like shape-shifted, you know. Yeah, like you just you, don't you have the love to give to that person. Yeah, and that you, the more you grieve, the more you loved. Mm-hmm. And so actually, yeah, of course, laughter might be a part of that because you're you're re-remembering the love. And so, yeah, I, I really like that one. And also for someone like him, who's just so funny all the time, it's nice mm-hmm. to get a serious, a bit of a serious side of him as well. Tell everyone about the the premise of the King of Staten Island, what it's about, Pete Davidson's story. Tell us about it a little bit. In real life, how how you came to it. um, In real life, Pete Davidson's father was a a firefighter who died on 9 11. And Pete was seven years old when that happened. And it led to, you know, a lot of issues that anyone would have if they were seven years old and had to go through a trauma that also became a national trauma that also never really goes away. People talk about it constantly. And we yeah. would talk about that at length. Uh, you know, I would always say to him, you know, my mom died 12 years ago, but no one talks about it. So it's not, I, I'm not re-injured by it on a daily basis. Right. I can go, I can go years without someone mentioning my mom to me. And I think it's a, an experience that most of us know nothing about when something like that is 
constantly re-imprinted on you every single day of your life. Right. And so we started talking about, you know, making a movie about what would happen if Pete didn't find comedy, because in real life, he's a very ambitious person. If he didn't find comedy and he was living at home with his mom, his really smart sister goes to college and his mom decides that maybe she should be more social and falls in love with another firefighter. And now this slacker kid who's really having a lot of problems has to try to bond with this potential stepdad who he hates. And it forces him to confront everything that has been an obstacle in his life. And Bill Burr plays uh, Ray, the firefighter. He's, he's a, you know, one of our great comedians. And Marissa Tomei plays his mom. And Steve Buscemi is in the movie. And my daughter, Maude Apatow, and Bill Pauly, and Ricky Velez, all sorts of great people. And it is, a, you know, the rare comedy, which is an exploration of grief. And it's about, you know, how it affects wait, 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 the family. Wait. I gotta, you got to say that again. Yeah. The rare comedy that is an exploration of grief. Yes. What part of that is rare? I think that it's a, you know, it's a difficult subject to attack directly. And usually people don't do it in a comedy. It, it has, has been attempted. But to, to go all the way into it to where you really feel it. Uh, is not something that people try to do that often. A lot of it sometimes feels common sense, but then she'll back it up by all her new research and um, <laughs> yeah. and also answer questions from her listeners. And one thing that kind of comes up with all her guests, and I mean, she says everyone from Judd Apatow that we mentioned there to Alicia Keys, and she just talks about how we're all learning from each other. We don't have to do this life alone. And that's why these podcasts are so important because it's all research, really. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it would have been incredibly powerful for people listening to this podcast in lockdown. There was one on loneliness. Mm. It was with Dr. Vivek Murthy. Mm. And she really breaks down that whole thing around how you can feel lonely in a room full of people and how you can feel not lonely sometimes on your own. Mm. And I just, I learned so much. I honestly felt like I'd read a whole book. Like that's how I felt after listening to that hour long podcast. Our next guest was born in the UK, but has since flown the nest and made a name for himself in the US and in turn globally with a phenomenally successful queer eye for the straight guy. And in true US of A fashion, he went big and brought a real icon forward for his podcast choice on this matter. This is a personal favorite of mine. Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sunday. <laughs> I'm looking at the top of the list and this has given me so much joy because it's actually the first podcast that I listened to every single episode that was available when I started and that's Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. Yeah. <gasps> Tell I, me about this. See, here's the thing. I think that this is probably the intro to most people's mm. podcast journey because Oprah is... A great motivator, she really is, mm. and she has great insights. And so, if I, you if you were going to start with anyone, I do think it's a good one to start with because you know it's going to be earnest. You're going to learn a heck of a lot. Hopefully, it's going to make you think uh, in a more positive light and be a better person. And so, for me, she was one of my first podcasts that I listened to, and I've loved Oprah for years since she was mm. on TV. Mm -hmm. And this is an extension of what she did on on the show. She has really meaningful conversations with people who I find fascinating, but also sometimes she just wants to 
get something off her chest and that's what her episode's about and and every time I listen to one of the episodes I come away from it thinking I learned something and I feel smarter for it even though often in my life I don't feel smart but I feel smarter for it after I've left her podcast however I do want to make it clear to your listeners it's not like a lecture. It's not like no. an after-school special at all. Mm. It really is just like you're listening to your. This this is going to sound really offensive. And Oprah, if you ever hear this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just like you're listening to your mom who's giving you a bit of life advice, but she really cares for you, and that's why she's telling you what she's telling you. And she's lived, and and as you mentioned, there's so many people. I mean, there's been everyone from you got the big Beyonce, be, yes, Beyonce, <laughs> straight in there. Yes, I mean she's got Beyonce on the podcast. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, Michelle Obama, but but actually quite a wide range. And also when when Beyonce was on it, it's not like an interview with Beyonce. If you looked at it, it's a yeah. different side of Beyonce. Yeah, it is. And I think that that's the beauty of the likes of Oprah. They are able to extract things that no other interviewer could and mm. these superstars open up to her like they would to no one else i mean mm. i know if i were to interview them they would tell me a couple of points that I, I could read anywhere else whereas when it's oprah they will divulge and disclose their deepest darkest secrets which i do love because she's in a safe space you know as scary as it is to know that the world is going to see some of my private thoughts i feel so much stronger and i feel brave and i feel like I've been able to talk about it. It's been like therapy. I've, I've healed so mm-hmm. much and I'm a stronger person emotionally because of it. Because of this movie? Yes. Okay. So we see the cameras in the car and the cameras in the bed, the cameras in the plane, the cameras. In... Were there cameras everywhere all the time? No. Okay. There's a time and place for cameras. Okay. <laughs> and all of my videos that were in the bed and in the bathrooms and all these crazy places, that's just the camera in my computer. Okay. That camera and the computer has been my friend when I'm away and I'm alone and I need to talk and I need to hear myself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you hold so many thoughts in your mind. So that's your diary. It's my diary. That's your diary. It it has become my diary. Actually, I haven't really done it that that much since I've become a mother. Mm -hmm. I don't have time. (laughs) You don't have time to talk to yourself. Yes, but before then, for the past maybe three years, that's been my diary. Wow. So you don't write. You just talk. I just talk. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the queen to the serene, our next guest, Gemma Styles, went back to basics and found solace through none other than the sounds of nature. Here she explains how and why it helped to ground her when she needed it most. On to the, the next on your recommendation list, which is Nature Therapy Podcast. And this is hosted by Stephen McCabe, who's a former city dweller, but now a nature lover. I, I've never, we never talked about this one before. Tell me about this, Gemma. Okay, so I will disclaimer that this podcast, so Nature Therapy Podcast, I picked mm-hmm. because it's one I'm, I'm really enjoying one of their recordings at the moment, but it's one of kind of a category of podcasts that mm-hmm. I quite like, mm-hmm. which is basically relaxing nature sounds in podcast format. And I've really got into listening to just nature sounds and like the sound of rain or something or this nature therapy podcast episode that I currently love is just an hour recording of a stream in Cornwall that I just play in the background of my life when I'm feeling a bit stressed. You'd be dying for a wee afterwards. You'd be dying for a wee afterwards. This is true. This is true. It's also going in hand with my trying to drink more water this year. So that's (laughs) that's been a real combo, but I'd still recommend it. The river just underneath me is gushing quite wildly. I want to just invite you for a moment to just listen to that sound just try your best to tune in to the sound of this water on the podcast and tune out of wherever it is that you are wherever your head is at right now and let's just experience the sound of this water together across time across places I'm going to take a little stroll and I want you to just relax, keep taking some deep breaths. I listen to quite a wide range of podcasts, as I said, I'm a podcast lot. So like everything, I could go from crime to listening to something like this, to how to fail, to something a little deeper and educational. When did you get into the sound and when do you find this good for, you know, when you're feeling anxious? Is there a particular time when you will kind of reach for this type of podcast? Yeah, it's absolutely an anxiety thing for me. So I have an anxiety disorder and yeah, it is definitely something that I've found helpful and kind of Mm. discovered more over the past year. So I am also somebody who I'm not good at sitting and working in silence. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I will quite often sit and like put the telly on just because I want some noise in the background. But yeah, from an anxiety standpoint, I kind of found this because I, so I get very physical anxiety at the moment, Mm -hmm. I would say more than, so if I say to someone, for example, you know, like, oh, I'm feeling really anxious today. They'll be like, oh, what's wrong? And I'll be like, well, actually nothing. Like I'm not really thinking about anything, but my You're heart rate is really high. Yeah. You know, I've got my fitness watch or whatever on my arm and every 20 minutes it's going, you need to take some slow breaths. You're feeling a bit stressed today, Gemma. And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> um, but it's the kind of thing where if I was having a day where I was feeling particularly anxious, for example, and I just mm. wanted to get my heart rate down so I could stop being all sweaty and awful, then I would maybe do like a calm exercise, for example, mm-hmm. and try that out. But Sometimes they're only sort of like 10, 20 minutes and actually you've got work to do and you need to get on with the day. And I 
I can't really sit there doing calm exercises back to back all day. And I found this world of podcasts that, yeah, some of them are ASMR titles, but yeah, nature sounds. So it'll be like rain or streams or somebody walking through crunchy snow. And I just, I just sit and put some, put some noise on in the background. An institution in British radio, Annie McManus has been on a journey of reflection herself. And in this next clip, we hear her discuss one of the many shows that she's used to help her along that path. I'm going to move on to your next podcast. And it's a, it's a first, we're in series four, and it's the first time this has been mentioned. It's On Being with Krista Tippett. Tell me a little bit about Yeah, this. so this is, I'm, I'm going to be really honest with you, Laura. I literally only started listening to this yesterday. This was a last minute change because I just yeah. got an email this morning going, uh, I want to add this one yeah. in and I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it before. I'm so moved by it. Like I've already shared it with five friends, this, mm-hmm. this, this episode I was listening to. So it's one of those ones where when you say what it's about people, it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but it's a, po- a podcast on what it means to be human. So mm-hmm. it's about spirituality. It's about human nature. It's about nature. You'll have an episode about birds and ornithology and then you'll have an episode about religion and you'll have an episode about the one I listened to that I was really moved by is with an author called Catherine May and she wrote a book called Wintering and it's about the idea the concept of wintering and how it's become a very unfashionable thing to rest and resting as something that is as useful as productivity and the idea of stopping and the association of that with winter it's kind of the idea of hibernation I suppose Mm. but she talks about it so beautifully and so convincingly how can I come back into an equilibrium rather than keep bouncing between extremes yeah you know I'd, I'd love to hear you read a bit of your book it it really does read in places like like a meditation, it's a very it's a very mm. lovely, restful retreating experience. No problem. A surprising cluster of novels and fairy tales are set in the snow. Our knowledge of winter is a fragment of childhood, almost innate. All the careful preparations that animals make to endure the cold, foodless months, hibernation and migration, deciduous trees dropping leaves. This is no accident. The changes that take place in winter are a kind of alchemy, an enchantment performed by ordinary creatures to survive. Dormice laying on fat to hibernate, swallows navigating to South Africa, trees blazing out the final weeks of autumn. It is all very well to survive the abundant months of spring and summer, but in winter we witness the full glory of nature's flourishing in lean times. Plants and animals don't fight the winter. They don't pretend it's not happening and attempt to carry on living the same lives they lived in the summer. They prepare. They adapt. They perform extraordinary acts of metamorphosis to get them through. Wintering is a time of withdrawing from the world, maximising scant resources, carrying out acts of brutal efficiency and vanishing from sight. But that's where the transformation occurs. Winter is not the death of the life cycle, but it's crucible. It's a time for reflection and recuperation, for slow replenishment, for putting your house in order. Doing these deeply unfashionable things, slowing down, letting your spare time expand, getting enough sleep, resting, is a radical act now, but it's essential. Oh, thank you. (laughs) 
There were some really difficult words in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you did you did an excellent job. It was yeah, wonderful. I mean, you you say you know, you call these the unfashionable things. It's just like even when you look at these individual words, some of those difficult words like recuperation, <laughs> slow replenishment, even reflection. Uh, there's a sense in which um, everything in our culture and our cultures, both the culture that you live in and the one I live in, mm. the culture of the West, I think, inclines us to resist these things. Mm. And to see rest and the need for rest as shameful. Yeah. Like rest is something that you only ever get forced into or yeah. that it has to be commodified somehow too. You know, that rest can only be something that you've paid to do, you know, a fancy retreat or a day at a spa or you know whatever whatever it is that you fancy doing um and i i think we've just got that all wrong like rest should be part of the simple rhythm of our day mm -hmm. and of our week and of our year you know in different ways i don't think we know what rest even is anymore to be honest i i, I think we've lost track of that I just found the production elements just, it's so well produced. The music is so exquisitely brought in and out and it's interspersed with readings from the book and it's quite meditative as a listen. And there's these huge questions and it's hard to get that right. But Christina Tippett is exceptional in terms of the questions she asks and you learn stuff, but it's also, you come out the end of it feeling calmed. Definitely. I, I found there's also episodes that are just poetry readings as well. Mm. I was cycling home from work last night in a kind of misty fog and with poems just in my head. And I was just in my element. It was so gorgeous. So it, it's quite thought provoking in that way. Finally, I leave you with a podcasting and music legend in her own right, host of one of the most chosen podcasts on this show. It is the one and only Jessie Ware. She found reframing the subject of failure to be revolutionary to her own life. The final podcast I want to talk about is How to Fail, Elizabeth Day. Well, How to Fail was the biggest therapy session I've ever had, I think, in my life. Yeah. And just everyone heard it. When I was on it as a guest, I mean, mm -hmm. it was a huge honour to be on it because I'd been listening to it. And I think, again, Elizabeth is a wonderful interviewer and I could listen to her voice all day as well. It's a beautiful voice. When you go on, you kind of have your three failures that you think of some and mine felt really crap like mine was like I can't tidy up mm -hmm. and I felt like mine were really shit and it's just how you go from one thing and then you're talking about something else and then you're talking about some really personal stuff that you didn't think you were going to tell anybody and it feels completely safe to say it mm -hmm. and I just think I, I really enjoyed her did you listen to the Camilla Thurlow episode I haven't listened to Camilla's one did? no no it Love was really yeah. wonderful I think that we have made it harder to fail. I think we've made failure way more visible in general for everyone. And yes, I did feel that much more so post Love Island. But I don't think that's just me. I think that that's a sign of our times, very much so. I totally agree with you about the fact that ambivalence has been squeezed out yes. of the national discourse, it feels yeah. like. So you're not allowed to say, I'm not sure how I feel like that, or yeah. I feel a bit conflicted about this. Yeah. You have to have a cast iron binary opinion. Yes, yeah. And then you're held to that opinion. It's because, like, it's very much true that, what is it? It's the social network where they say the internet's written in ink. Like, you can be judged on a tweet that you put up when you were 16, which might be, you know, for me, that's now a long time ago, but, you know, it could be a couple of years ago that you could totally have changed your mind on. And a lot of the time, 
it's important to recognise that people's opinions are a product of their environment. And I find it really interesting now, actually, talking about that side of things. So I will sometimes receive messages when people disagree with things that I have done. And it's obviously very visible in a public space. So on my Instagram, for example, and they'll open the message with something like, I am just so disappointed in you and spend like the majority of the message coming across with, with a, almost like an attacking or, or an aggressive tone and then come to their point, which is so important. It's something that I wanted to know or something that's informative or something that might not change my mind, but make me think about it differently. And I think, oh, when did we start thinking that the best way to engage in constructive conversation was to just sort of hammer home how, and there's nothing worse. I mean, we all had it when we were kids, than someone telling you they're disappointed in you. It immediately puts you onto a back foot And I think it's really important that we recognise that what we're saying can be much more powerful if we try and come at it with this idea that people may know and they may have decided differently to us and that's okay. And people might not know that information and it would be great if we could use those spaces in a bit more of a constructive manner. Just listening to you talk, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you just speak so phenomenally. I think it's a brilliant premise for a podcast. It's kind of got that thing that I love of a podcast where it has a beginning and a middle and an end. And you've got this kind of rooted thing of failures that you can draw back into. And I quite, I do quite, as much as I love going off piste, I do like to know, almost like if you're listening to Desert Island Discs, you're like, mm-hmm. right, I'm going to get some songs to listen to and I'm going to get some stories. I feel like that's what Elizabeth's format, without making it sound too busy and stuff, mm-hmm. it's excellent. You know what you're getting when you listen to a How to Fail. You're going to get an amazing, revealing interview, a trusting interview and learn something about somebody that you thought you knew a lot about. It's interesting you know, listening to you as someone who's a guest on it too, because you probably went on to that not realizing, as you mentioned, like how much you'd give away of yourself and also how therapeutic it is to be so open sometimes in that space. Yeah, it was really funny because I remember feeling completely trusting. I knew that she wasn't trying to catch me out and I was yeah. saying things that I'd never said before. Yet when a journalist tried to use something that I'd said in it in an Mm. interview with me, like a print journalist, later I was like, no, 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 you've taken that out of context. And that was me speaking to a friend Mm. on a podcast in a long form. Like, you you can't just take a statement out like that. It made me really believe in the long form in such a, it's so important because you get to explore something with, I mean, she should be a therapist. I think there is an unwritten rule and sadly not all journalists abide by it, but like in a podcast, you shouldn't pull quotes out of top context because what mm. you say in a podcast is so, and I've done podcasts before where I'd say things I've never said before. And most of the time it's not used or if it is used, it's at least, at least the whole interview is there for everyone to see, mm. to go back to and make their own judgments. Yeah, exactly. I, there's this kind of a safety net, isn't there with mm. that? So yeah. God love a podcast. Subsequently, Elizabeth released her memoir, which is How to Fail Everything I've Ever Learned from Things Going Wrong. And it's funny because I know growing up, you're kind of told not to speak about your failures. You're always put your best self forward. And even with there is a change now, but even with Instagram, like always put the good stuff up there. And it's so important to remember the bad stuff. Absolutely. It's what makes you get to the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for all these recommendations because there's some I've heard of, some I know, and some I've never heard of. If I was to come over to your house, what do you think you and your man would cook me? Let me think. Well, do you have any dietary requirements? Oh, I don't eat red meat. I'm annoying. No, I don't think that's annoying. What did my mum do? My mum did one last night, which was really nice, actually. We've just been in Greece. 
Oh, lovely. And we're kind of Greco-file. So last night we did, see if this takes your fancy, it's called Shrimp okay. Saganaki. <gasps> and it's, yeah, and it's it's basically, it's kind of a tomato pepper onion sauce where you put ouzo in. We, we put half a bottle in and we can bloody taste it. And you put <laughs> shrimps in. And what's really mm-hmm. good is if you leave the shrimps in their shells and then I think it kind of makes it slightly creamier. And and then you put feta. And usually you shouldn't really have cheese and fish. It's kind of not a done thing. So yeah. it's, yeah, feta, shrimp, tomatoes, peppers, oh. ouzo, parsley, basil. It's beautiful. So we had that with some crusty bread. And then oh. I do this thing that I'm so obsessed with that we've been having a lot of in Greece. It's a lot of feta, actually. I'm really into feta. Feta and phyllo pastry oh. with honey and sesame on top. And it is, like, blow your mind good. Oh, incredible. Um, And Grecian food. I remember, right, when I was like 17 or 18, you know, the first holiday you go away with like your pals. So we went to Greece, right? And you know the way like people drank too much alcohol and had to have their stomachs pumped and things like that that happened. Me and my friend, because we love like oil and bread and cheese, we ate so much because I just love dipping crusty bread into oil, like plates of oil. We both got really sick and we ended up having to go to the doctor and they just said that we just had too much oil. We'd had too much extra virgin olive oil. If that's the thing. So everyone else is like alcohol poisoning. That's amazing. Too much of the Grecian oil, but there are worse things. So I'm all over that meal. That is Uh, so funny. (laughs) Jesse, thank you so much. Um, Tell me about the podcast. What's happening next with the podcast? What's going on? So we... I've just launched a new season. I mean, the last season went on forever. We kind Mm -hmm. of just didn't go away. And we have some amazing guests and we're going to be able to do them in the flesh, face to face, along with a few Zooms as well. But it's going to be a much of a muchness. It's like we're not going to rock the boat too much because people seem to be quite enjoying it. Do what you do and you do it well. So stick with it. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for being on Castaway. Thank you, babe. Thanks so much for tuning into the special episode of Castaway. Remember to tune in next Thursday for another edition covering a whole new selection of juicy podcasts. As always, we'd love you to rate, review, follow and subscribe. And I'll see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.